This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Almost 60 years to the day, Ipswich Town were crowned champions of England. 30 years later, almost to the day, Town were crowned champions of the then Division 2 and promoted to the inaugural Premier League. Today, we're going to talk about 11th versus 12th in Division 3. What a time to be alive. This is the Blue Monday podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast, discussing the town up or down since 2015. I'm Richard Woodward and you're tuned into the final pre-match show of the season in partnership with our good friends at the Greyhound Pub in Ipswich. This is the Charlton at Home Edition and joining me for one final time this season, my pre-match show buddy Seb Brown and one of the team Turnstile Blues to here to talk about the latest edition out this weekend Steve Moore. Steve, let's start with you. Mm-hmm. How are things? How are you doing? Uh, not too bad, thank you. It's, not too uh, bad. It's an end of a season, and um, it's probably a good time for the end of a season, given uh, given we've tailed off a little. But, oh, uh, Steve, we need to... I, I feel like we need to rouse the energy. <laughs> I started off with a, with my kind of negative intro, but um, yeah. important to mark important but milestones Seb, in our history. Seb and I sat next to each other at crew last week with... Uh, <laughs> Statler and Waldorf, I'm sure. It was, it was a bit disappointing, really. And Seb, how are you, sir? I'm good, mate. Thank you for that lovely that lovely intro. It's really put me in the mood now to discuss 11th versus 12th in the in League One for the final day of the season. No, I'm good, thank you. I shall, as always, try and be the positive voice on this on this podcast. Exactly right. You're the Channing Tatum to my Jonah Hill, as we pointed out. Talk to us about the shirt behind you, by the way. Um, for well, those listening on the pods who can't see, it's 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 a Danny Haynes squad numbered shirt from 2007, eight or 2008 and nine. I'm not sure what year the sponsorship changed. And I was going through my shirts trying to work out what to hang up for this one. And like you've done on, on your your thing there, the 99-2000 shirt is the, the logical one to go for. But mine's in the loft because it's a signed one, so I couldn't be bothered getting that down. And I just saw this one and thought, well, Danny Haynes played for us both, so I'll, I'll throw that up on the uh, – I'll hang it on the telly for some background. But I have absolutely no recollection where I bought this shirt, where it came from, when I got 
about it. Absolutely no idea whatsoever. So I, I, I did leave a job in 2008 and, and moved from the Midlands up to, up to Chester. So I think it might have been a leaving present because I can't imagine I'd have been first in the queue at Planet Blue saying I must have Danny Haynes on the back <laughs> of his shirt, please. So no recollection, but he did play for both clubs. So that's my tenuous link for tonight. It's worth saying that memory loss is a sign of age and also worth pointing out that you are due to and, and alcoholism as well yeah um and due, um and probably when people listen to this you'll be a, i mean you'll be a year older won't you i will yes so thank you it's my birthday many happy on returns thank you very months. much yeah my birthday on saturday so i'm not going on saturday i uh crew That's last week was my my last game of the season i thought <laughs> i'd treat myself and not go on saturday so yeah happy birthday to me yeah very in, indeed happy birthday at brown brown s08 on twitter if you want to wish Seb, a happy birthday and berate him for um, his no-show against Charlton. No, we can forgive you for that. Let's jump into the news. And a few bits and pieces to catch up on. But first off, we've got Steve here. Um, he's going to hang around and chat Charlton and other bits and pieces. But as we mentioned in the intro, um, the latest edition of Turnstile Blues is out on Saturday, ahead of the Charlton game. If I put an image up, it's going to cover your face, Steve. But there it is, Absolutely. very briefly. Any improvement? <laughs> nah. Um, talk to us about it, Steve. Uh, as we see there, Jason Zell on the front, and we mentioned 91-92. It's probably yeah. a problem. Started the started two anniversaries. Um, the the 91-92 season, um, we thought we'd mark it. We, we managed to get an interview with Jason Dezel. Um, which I think is very good. It's well worth reading. Um, he clearly loved that season. The, the quote that's on the front of the fanzine is that the, the, uh, the day at Oxford was the best day of his footballing life. Um, the second best day of his footballing life was in May 1978 at Wembley. Mm. And yeah, Jay, Jason's very positive about, about that season. His memories of it are still good. Um, and it's, it's worth reading. Uh, also, a little bit more background on that one. I started to write a small piece just to go and give it a bit of bit of colour, and then realised I could have written a long form article. Ninety one, ninety two for me was the season that I went from being someone who watched a few games a year when someone would take me to having a little bit of money as a teenager and mates wanted to go, and suddenly going to every game possible and becoming perhaps slightly obsessed in the way that. <laughs> any football fan who's kind of watched Ipswich for the last 20 years. Yeah, there, there was a little bit. But I think clubs need those formative seasons. And one of the things we try to get across is that they matter. They matter a lot. And if you're a youngster now, it's, when was the last really good season? Um, I We won something. We got to a final. We haven't, we haven't done that since 2000. There was in playoffs, playoff years, which were pretty good. Stayed up under McCarthy was good, but we haven't done that. And clubs need those years, and we desperately, desperately need one, not just because we're in the third division, because we haven't had one for a long time. Mm. I think only Oldham are the team who've, who've had an even worse run than us over that time. So, uh, as um, so yeah, we try to capture that. Um, also, within that, Rob Freeman looks back at Game Changers' first year in charge of the club. Um, a quote that's not in the article from Rob was that this is the most positive piece I've ever written about club owners anywhere. <laughs> yes. Which um, which is probably says where we are at the moment. Um, we're in quite a good position, I think, as a club. 
for, because of because of Game Changer. Um, also in there, we look back at the um, ITFC women's season, which, although it's, again, a bit like the men's team, has just faded very slightly at the end. It's still been very successful, um, culminating in the FA Cup game against West Ham, in which we lost, but very narrowly, rather than being very heavily trounced um, a couple, two, three years ago by Manchester City. And the, the direction of that team, both in terms of support, in terms of players, in terms of how they're playing, is is positive. Uh, um, we also have a piece that looks back at one of the players from the 61-62 side, Jimmy Led, Ledbetter. And there is also a piece on Sonia Luco. So it's a it's a nice balanced piece between where we are now, bit of the past, and um, and some other things. And as per usual, it's um, on sale outside Portman Road, only a pound. Because it's an early kickoff, we'd be selling from eleven. And fortunately, certain pubs are open <laughs> earlier, so so we don't have to go straight to selling. We can go to the pub first, and the Greyhound is open at nine thirty on Saturday, which is good. Yeah, head to the ground. I mean, head to the ground anyway. Obviously, we uh, we are very much supporters of the ground here. But I know that Dan, the, the landlord, has ordered a lot of breakfast baps. So yeah, that, get your that, breakfast that, bap, get your turnstile blues. What more do you want? Absolutely. We hope to have them in the pub earlier, but um, we'll see when they get. Always, I always like the kind of the faint sense of panic when your delivery. Your yeah, yeah, yeah last time, isn't it? Last time got a bit tight. And last time it was absolutely abysmal weather. I think it was still oh, yeah, before. It was. And yeah, trying to sell fanzines in the rain when people don't really want to hang around is not fun. No, well, hopefully it for be a lot better this time. Yeah, sunshine. Hopefully, um, usually is at the end of the season, isn't it? So, and and can you folk get it on eBay as well? Yeah, there will be a, there will be a number of copies on eBay, and if we don't sell out quickly enough, there'll be a lot of copies on eBay. But um, <laughs> I think with a big crowd, it's another twenty five thousand crowd expected, which is incredibly encouraging again for the state the club is. And um, yeah, there will be a handful of copies on eBay. But you need all the details at turnstart underscore blue, isn't it, on the Twitter? That is correct. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. One pound for a fanzine, Seb. You can't get anything for a pound. You can't even probably get a Freddo for a pound anymore. Not anymore. I think we said that in August or last time. Yeah, that's why like, yeah. probably did before. back it's, in August, yeah. It's and our go-to reference. When Gaff Barber was on about six weeks ago or two months ago, whenever that was. I'm I'm continuously boring. That is all I can say. <laughs> but it's, it doesn't make it any yeah. less true. We, we we keep thinking about putting the price up. And the problem with putting the price up, you, either get, you basically put it up by a pound because 150 is an absolute pain for change, so... Yeah, or we go contactless, which um, I'm not quite sure we're ready to do yet. Yeah, a bit of infrastructure there. Good stuff, Steve. Yeah, um, go and um, catch up with the folks either at the Greyhound or outside the ground on Saturday. And if you're unable to make it in person, um, then take a gander at eBay. Um, or maybe there's a black market for them after the fact. Steve will find out. But yeah, cool. looking forward to reading it. Yeah. In terms of bits and pieces of news, just to catch everything up before we talk, Charlton, um, it's the award season um, and Wes Burns, Seb, is, is unexpe- unsurprisingly picking up awards left, right and centre at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. So they had the, the do at Milsom's Hall on, was it Tuesday night? We're recording this on a Thursday. I think it was Tuesday night, wasn't it? And yeah, he got the corporate sponsors player of the year and the players player of the year. And surely he'll get the clean sweep and get the supporters player of the year before the before the game on Saturday. Fully, fully deserved, you know, our our first signing of last season. And 
I kind of thought he'd be a bit of a squad player and have an impact here and there, given his pace. And we kind of saw what he did for Fleetwood on the last day of last season when he ran the whole length of the pitch and scored. But he's just been phenomenal, hasn't he? You know, he's made that right wing back role his own. And look how we've struggled when he's not been in the side. You know, I mean, me and Steve were at crew last week and it was another not great performance and he was absent. And those games he missed, you know, it could have been different for Paul Cook, but 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 fully well deserved. An absolute, absolute top player. And uh, yeah, hopefully he's uh, he's back on Saturday because he missed out last weekend. Yeah, and and worth also mentioning the EFL Family Club of the Year award. It was something that Mark Ashton, who also got a long service award for the EFL as well, thirty-two years. I think that's like that, didn't they? That triggered a few, yeah, as always. Um, but great to see that kind of stuff as well. And we need to give a shout out to Dan Palfrey and all his work, don't we? Absolutely, yeah, a, a great, great, another great award. It really shows the stuff that you know. The on-pitch stuff is is is, is a work in progress, so to speak. But off-pitch, they've absolutely nailed it. I've I've had emailed Dan a couple of times this season about various things, and he's been absolutely spot on. So really, really well deserved, and and great to see the club having all these initiatives like her game two and rainbow tractors and first-time fans, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's it it shows the the, the club, the, the community in the town is getting its club back, and it's great they've been recognised at a national level for that. I think to add to that as well, it's kind of a lot of the things don't take money. They take a bit of thought and a bit of effort. Mm. And one of the big frustrations about the Evans era is we didn't do things that didn't cost money, but increase the support base, free tickets to school kids, that kind of basic thinking. It just didn't happen. And this is not about game training, putting money into the club. It's about doing things well. Some of that comes from the support, but also people who work throughout that anyway. So yeah, it's, to be celebrated and uh yeah lots of hard work that's being recognized as well because we know that even during the evans era there were people at the club working their asses off probably stifled yeah. maybe by the evans way of running things and yeah down to individuals going above and beyond and it's kind yeah. of, um if you look at someone who's going to leave the club fairly soon in leo neil and you look at the number of people doing the jobs that he was doing mm. it's not really a surprise that Things things were difficult. Yeah, we're talking to Leo Neal. He was in the stands last night, um, on Wednesday night, I should say, along with Kieran McKenna, Mark Ashton, George Edmondson, Connor Chaplin, to watch the under-18s demolish Coventry City in the Richard Woodward derby 7-0 in the Premier League Professional Development League Cup at Portman Road. Um, great. I mean, we, we, can, we won a penalty in the first 10, 12 minutes or so. Um, I think it was Chuero who took it and he did a Penenka in kind of um, Benzema style. It was big confidence on display, a great performance, goals from um, Boabo, Manley, Armin, um, Chuero got a couple. I think I've probably missed someone out as well, Valentine. Um, really strong performance um, and really great testament to the work that Adam Ate is doing at the club. And um, I don't know if you guys have seen any of the interviews post-match, but really great that um, Adam Ate is thinking about the success of this group is their contribution to the first team, Steve, given lots of concern about pathway and the like. Um, a great performance by Cameron Humphrey, so we might see a little bit of... of yeah, I, I suspect we'd be more like to see young players had we actually won a couple of games in the last few, but um, Humphrey's actually got on against Charlton. That's um, his one first team appearance or one league, league appearance this season. Um he looked quite bright in that game. Yeah, I think he's one who's definitely definitely going to play to play at some point t- tomorrow. Um, 
Saturday, no matter what happens. Yep. But this goes out be tomorrow, but obviously it's... Uh... <laughs> and Seb, the under-18s, obviously, well, the, the, we got to the FA Youth Cup. Was it quarterfinals or semifinals against Liverpool a couple of years back? Maybe in last year, actually. It's only last, it's only last year. It just yeah, it feels like it's been forever, doesn't it? Um, and that was played behind closed doors. And it was great that a crowd was in. You know, there was Joe and I were there, along with Chris and Matt from our friends at Blue Monday Group, who sponsored some of the um, ITFC women players. But great to, to have a crowd in to witness that kind of moment as well. And great for uh, the players. Absolutely. Yeah, like you said, great for the players. You know, they they, 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 they they want to do this kind of stuff in front of people and hear the reactions of the crowd. And it all adds to the the experience for them. And yeah, an absolutely great night. And uh, hopefully a couple of them will, will start to feature maybe on Saturday, maybe look to to start to build into preseason going into next year because the, the crop is incredibly talented. I love the video the club put out back in the changing room where Adam Ate sort of walks in and the, the water's flying everywhere. It's great. We saw similar scenes, didn't we, with the uh, when the they got to the, um, the, the cup. Was it quarterfinal last year against Liverpool? I can't remember what round it was they went out at. But similar kind of scenes in the round before. And it's great for these guys, isn't it? You know, it's all part of their development, part of the experience. And it's so encouraging for the club to have these, you know, this great crop of, of youngsters sort of coming through. And, and uh, it's only a plus for everybody. Yeah, and great to see so many members of the, the first team squad there and staff, John McGreal there as well. I mentioned him, um, sorry, mentioned McKenna and Ashton were there too and um, Gary Probert there as well. So yeah, great night and congrats to the under-18s. Finally, ITFC women, um, worth just um, talking about their end of season as well. Their, their season also comes to an end um, on Sunday. Um, interesting situation, obviously, last time out defeat to Oxford in kind of a nothing game, a kind of bolt from the blue goal from range to give Oxford... Um, a, a win probably just about that they shaded, but neither team really um, did enough to win the game for me. And um, that put the second place at big risk because um, Oxford had a game in hand and that game in hand was against Southampton, um, who are already crowned champions against the playoffs. That game ended 3-3. Um, but the lead was exchanged twice. It was a um, very topsy-turvy game. But the good thing is that ITFC women have a point advantage over Oxford going into the last day, knowing a win gets them a second place that I think they deserve, or they just need to better whatever result um, Oxford managed to get. Um, they, they're a, a town are at Pompey, um, on the south coast away from home. And we wish them all the very best. We're hoping to speak to to Joe, to Kira, maybe some of the players in the post-season um, just to kind of get their, their views and things and um, think about next season as well. But um, yeah, it's really easy to focus on the results that have maybe not gone against, uh, have not gone for us in the last few weeks and, rem- and forget what a great season it's been. And presumably, Steve, you know, that's what um, Matt's article is talking about in this week in the Absolutely. Tesla Blues. Matt, Matt, Matt is nothing if not positive about, uh, about football pre beforehand, and um, he's he's watched as as you have clearly a lot of a lot of the lot of the season at home, and um, yeah, it's it's been a developmental season, um, but a very positive one for a lot of players, and um, yeah, just yeah, for- the club it's in a much better place than it was. A few years ago. Exactly right. And great to see the, the women's team part of the end of season awards dinner. We need to congrats um give our grand congrats to Bonnie Horwood, who's um player of the season, Carl Roberts, player's player, um, Blue Wilson with goal of the season. We need to mention as well, we didn't talk about Connor Chaplin and Natasha Thomas getting um their a community award as well from the club. So good to acknowledge everyone kind of um, as one rather than as a separate thing. So yeah, um really great to see that integration as you said, Stephen. Um 
a developmental season, I think, is a fair way to summarise it and big positives and hope for next season. I think one of the things as well, by just by the results and the fixtures being reported on Twitter, TWTD, um, you've discussed them, then then people have got an awareness, even if they only pay attention to look at the results and maybe watch the odd lot of highlights. It's it's an interest in the club. It's almost like there's a thing as football fans, you can't change a club. Am, am I allowed to support IDFC women? Is it a part of it? And I think that's one thing over the last two, three years that's really changed. And there's a there's a passive interest, which then we get a big game moves to become a more active interest. And it's, um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, exactly right. And, I, I I kind of see them as separate, but the same, if that makes sense. They're both Ipswich Town teams, but the experience obviously very different Portman Road versus the Gold Star. But I kind of think yeah. th- this is kind of, we keep talking about the team of 2019. This is still an, a really embryonic squad, really young. Um, and the trajectory for them could be massive. So, yeah, really excited to see what they have um, um, in store next season. But, yeah, definitely worthy of our support. Um, even if it's as an armchair supporter. Um, so, yeah, we'll be talking more about, um, as I said, more more hopefully to come at the end of the season from um, from some of the folks at ITFC Women. Let's jump into Saturday's game, shall we? Let's talk about Charlton. And Seb Worth saying Charlton, the most mid-table of mid-table teams. The stats, they don't lie, do they? No, not at all. Every stat you you find from them, bar a couple, shows them being exactly where they are, mid-table in in League One. I must give a shout-out before we go into the detail of chart. I must give a shout-out to FPL Tractor, who very, very kindly contacted me on Twitter after last week's show and said he, he had an inside track to a bit of Charlton knowledge and would Ooh. I appreciate some help. And I snapped his hand off because it can, sometimes two of these things can be a bit of a chore. So the, the research he sent over through this week was absolutely superb. So big, big thanks to FPL Tractor. He's in our Telegram group. So a, a big thank you to him for, for the information that's about to come. Yeah, so we, let's talk about these stats then because the, the most obvious one that jumps out to me is goal difference being zero. That's kind of the most mid-table kind of thing that you can find there. But yeah. Talk to us about the season and, yeah, some managerial changes as well, but... So a very up and down season. They did a 12. So the one one place below us played 45, won 17, drawn eight, lost 20, scored 55 goals, conceded 55 goals. So a goal difference of exactly zero. And it's been a, a roller coaster, a very, very up and down season for them. They had the awful, awful start, which leads to Nigel Adkins getting sacked. They appoint Johnny Jackson, a bit of a bit of a club legend, who goes on this incredible run. He wins nine out of thirteen games, averages two point two three points per game, including the victory over us at the Valley in December. Was it? Was that McGreal's? It was December. First, yeah, yeah, December. McGreal's first game in charge or second or something. I can't remember. Yeah, but first, yeah. Uh, Wigan was after that. Yeah. Yeah, so they they go on this amazing run with him. He gets the job permanently on this weird contract that auto renews at yeah, the end of the next one year yeah, the next it. two seasons. It auto renews depending on on pitch success. They say, well, that means I don't know. They kind of go on another dodgy little run, albeit with some injuries. But they're finishing with a bit of a flourish. They've won three out of the last five, so they are looking to to, to, to finish strongly after a, a very strange season. The um this new manager bounce that you talk about as well. A really abruptly stopped when Jackson got that contract that he was appointed full time. It was uh, psychologically maybe the players knew that they could switch off or something. I, I don't know what that was, but it was it was very abrupt. Steve, you mentioned the the two nil game at the Valley. Were you there for that one? That's your I, I was there for that one. Um, London games are um, are easy. Um, for you. Yeah. That was it. Was tough tough night. 
Um, yeah, our midfield was non-existent. Morsi and Evans were sulking all game because Cook had been sacked. Um, our other midfielder was Scott Fraser, who even at his best drifts in and out of games. Fraser put one beautifully curling pass in for the left at the end of the first half, which Bond just didn't react to because Bond, even in December, was was struggling. And we didn't really do very much else. It's quite incredible we kept it to 1-0. Uh, their finishing was abysmal. And um, Walton had a very good game and saved a lot of stuff at him. But Charlton just moved the ball very quickly, very directly, but all along the floor. And we just, yeah, we were just very, very poor. It was waiting for. Did we, did we do a post match after that one, Seb? I seemed maybe I me and Dave remember. did that I, one. I think we Blue Mother did one. I don't know. I can't remember if I was on it. It was, a but it was the, that time of the year. So that was the beginning of the three at the back, though. So we need to thank John McGreal for that. Yeah, um, I think we played, we played back Fort Wigan on Saturday, and Burgess and um, Edmondson looked fairly competent in the back four, but then we went for a back three the following game against Sunderland. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. There's an FA Cup game which we won't mention in between those last two. <laughs> no. Uh, Seb, is, is is there a sense of, uh, is this maybe from your insider information, a little bit of unhappiness amongst the fan base? I can imagine that, you know, this is this is a team that not so long ago, certainly in more recent times than we've been, has been in the Premier League, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the description given to me was uh, toxic on Twitter. It kind of said, Teamwork. imagine ITFC without, without the game-changer takeover, and that's pretty much where they are. Obviously, they've had some horrific owners in the past with regards to what's happened to the club, so they're kind of grateful this one they've got isn't a, a, a complete scumbag, I think was the, the words that was passed. Wow. Not, not, not your words. words. No. Um, but yeah, I think they're just kind of, like, like many clubs at this level and other clubs that are about to drop down and join this level, they are one of, you know, a former, side, a former Premier League side that think they should be higher up in the pyramid. Uh, I guess you can. You're getting close now. Where you can say that about probably a third of the league, couldn't you? Let's be honest. Yeah. Talk to us about. I mean, we we like to do the head-to-head records. Um, I can remember a very excellent win at Charlton, wearing that shirt when we needed to keep our automatic promotion hopes alive, and that was my first ever away game. But I can also remember a, 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 a almost a year later losing to Charlton. When to to keep our Champions League hopes alive as well, it's quite a, a weird kind of um, reverse. What a tragedy to lose not been in the Champions League. Yeah, <laughs> those are, uh, first world problems, eh? Um, overall, there it's pretty even the record, isn't it? We just about shade it. Very close, yeah. We're just about ahead. So it's uh, 23 wins for Ipswich, 12 draws and 20 wins for Charlton. So it's, it's it's been very close over the years, which is seen by, you know, the games that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about and what we, what we recognise. You know, we've, we, we, we went through a phase where we were pretty hopeless at the Valley. Uh, we always seem to beat them at Portman Road. And, and it's just how this goes when you've got these two similar kind of size clubs going at each other. And, we, yeah, we were joking about Danny Haynes, weren't we? And uh, the, there was a point where the administration or everyone started to disappear off the chart and, and, and work for Kirby wasn't there, but um, it's worth saying we haven't beaten Charlton in our, in, in our last four. Not since we came down to league one. Yeah. We yeah. haven't, we haven't beaten them since we got relegated. We lost, yeah. uh, lost last year at Portman road and drew nil nil right at the end of the season. Uh, this year was the, obviously the two nil defeat we discussed a minute ago. So not a great record since we've been down and they came back down from the championship. But do, do Steve, do you remember the, the 30th of December game in the 14-15 season where we beat China, I think we were, that put us top, yeah. maybe, or joint top. It was a game of Goldrick just couldn't score and he'd been absolutely outstanding in that game and he finally scored in, going into injury time and it was just one of those really nice moments when a player just really deserved a goal. Yeah, and, I remember that. Yeah, 26,000 crowd or something like that and um, 
Yeah, 26. Yeah, good shout. Yeah, yeah. Look, looked really good. I think I remember it because it was probably about as high as we got that season, apart from <laughs> the very end of the season, Forest, and then the playoff game. I suspect the Derby game was the one that followed that one. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about um, kind of what to expect. We talked about Johnny Jackson a little bit there, um, but when we talked about the goals for the goals against and all that kind of stuff. Um, one stat that stuck out for me, though, said, talk to us about their aggression and their defensive sensibilities. There are, um, they are outliers in one particularly negative metric, aren't they? They are, yeah. They are top of the league for uh, top of the the league for yellow cards. They have 105, which is quite considerably the highest in the league. Four reds, that's not the highest, but 105 yellow. So they don't mind a uh, a tasty tackle every now and again. They're also the second highest for fouls conceded per game, with an average of 12.7 each match. So this could well be a game where you see a lot of the kind of tactical, you know, the shirt pulls when people are looking to looking to break and that kind of thing. Be expected maybe for a bit of a bit of niggle, so we say a bit of s housery from time to time. I was say so, that. So, so the enjoyment's to depend whether we have one of the League One referees who, who see this and can let the game flow, <laughs> or whether we have one who just doesn't have a clue and misses everything. Yeah, or, or points it out and then does nothing about it. Yeah. Um, possession wise, I mean, that's bang on mid table, 50.3% yeah. exactly on mid table. All that's worth noting, we said earlier, 55 goals scored, 25% of those have come from set pieces. So they yeah. are a bit of a threat from set pieces. That was, that was certainly up there towards the higher echelons of the league. Yeah, last time I got in Shrewsbury was a 2-0 and it was a, a goal from a corner and a goal from a free kick. So, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, talk to, to us, let's, let's talk about formation, shall we? We've got obviously some stats and bits and pieces there, but I think um, given it's the end of the season, let's, um, let's, let's not dwell in the detail maybe too much. Um, talk to us about formations. Is this the team that is doing the in-vogue, Three at the back. Hipster's choice, yeah. yeah. Start, started off playing 4-3-3 this season, but like 80% of the league seem to have done, they've reverted to a three at the back system. They play two up front, so it's a 3-5-2 rather than a 3-4-3 or a 3-4-1-1 or whatever. It's a 3-5-2 with, with two out-and-out strikers. Uh, Craig McGilvery, the goalkeeper, uh, 43 appearances so far this season, so he's likely to be the uh, the choice. They've got a guy, Nathan Harness, I guess, could in theory come in if he's looking to rotate a little bit. The three centre-backs will be pretty much set. It'll be Ryan Innes. He's had an injury hit season with only 14 appearances. Jay Jason Pierce and Akin Fainwo, who's on loan from up the road, who I think you want to talk about, don't you? Well, no, I was going to say it's Akin Fainwo, two separate names, not yeah, Akin, Akin Fainwo. Fainwo. Yeah, um, well, I, yeah, Jason Pierce, I, I, I just wanted to point out, and obviously Craig McGillivray, um, McGillivray, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, both um, ex Pompey players, both linked with moves to Ipswich. Um, McGillivray last year when we were looking for a replacement um, keeper. Um, but Pierce, certainly the the goals that they've conceded of late, I picked out Pierce. As, he's, I think he's getting on a bit now. I think, well... He's 30, 34 speaking. now. 34. Yeah, 34. Definitely lacks a bit of pace. Um, and so, um, yeah, I guess it's a shame we haven't got Caden Jackson, isn't it? But, yeah. Another, another one of those. Yeah, I nicked that from you, Steve. Sorry, I, I, I couldn't find a way to to tee you up for that one. But that was <laughs> that was Steve's point. Um, but yeah, certainly very slow and easily turned as well. So a lot of goals come from him getting in behind them as well, and they do switch off. They're not good at tracking runners either. So this back line, you can see why they've conceded fifty-five goals. Norwood would start for us. Yeah, or maybe so. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll have a debate about that one. On the ball, sometimes he's quick, quick as the other three. And why you'd want Burns in the team as well. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wes Burns running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, EFL Apprentice of the Year winner in the squad as well, Seb. Do you, uh, yeah, you, one, you on, one on Sunday night as part of the, the part of the, the awards evening. Uh, Deji Elawayri, I'll say, I'll let you pronounce it properly. He's the uh, EFL Apprentice of the Year. He's a defender, so I guess he could come in for a bit of experience and a bit of game time. Uh, they haven't got that much in the back. They've got a few injuries, so we could see him involved at some point. Yeah, have we covered that yet? Yeah, that we're not going to drill too much into the personnel because rotation and all that kind it could of jazz, completely so. change yeah completely meaningless game both sides could throw a load of kids in that we're not we're not really expecting so let's single out the players that uh, have contributed the most um left ring as you said it's three five two um not too many assists from the wide positions. Um, no, he comes from centre from Albie Morgan. He's he's an academy prospect who's played over 100 games for the first side, uh, first team. He's got one goal, but seven assists so far this season. So if he plays, he's a key man to watch in midfield. And George Dobson is their likely player of the year. 37 appearances, central midfielder. He's the defensive option. So his heat map shows he'll just sit and look to protect that back three. And him and Morgan have got a pretty good understanding and a pretty good relationship. I think I, I might be wrong on this one. I think... Dobson has got the most yellow cards of everyone in the squad. I think, yeah, 12 of the 105 are Dobson's. So, yeah, keep a look out for him. Can we talk about Scott Fraser? Him and Morton then both guaranteed a yellow. Yeah. Face off in the middle. Yeah, we talked about Scott Fraser briefly. Uh, I guess folk, well, certainly me, I'm interested in how he's got on because I quite liked him as a player, but it's not been a great move for him, has it? It's not worked out, has it? No, he's been injured and he's had COVID, so he's not really got going. I guess, you know, he always said here he wanted to play, didn't he, on the left-hand side of a midfield three. That's what he was used to. So he will get that chance at Charlton, but I guess he's waiting for pre-season now to, uh, to, to really come back and look to sort of kick his career 
back into action. You know, I know you liked him. You thought he was a, a classy player and stuff. But for me, he didn't have the energy or the athleticism for what we now know McKenna is going to want from certain players, you know. And of him, it's a shame. It's a move that hasn't really worked out. He's out on Saturday. He won't feature. But I guess it's up to him now to go away in the summer and come back and look to make his mark next yeah, year. I'd agree with that. I, I really like Fraser's touch, his ability on the ball. But it became increasingly apparent, I thought, fairly early on that, yeah, the athleticism was a problem. It also didn't help. We didn't really know how we were playing. We'd signed a lot of players and without any real set system. So a lot of players struggled for that lack of continuity. And also, given the sheer number of players we signed last summer, some were going to miss out. Yes, I mean... It's the highest profile one. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. I mean, clearly, a lot of... I'm not going to say the word mistakes, but I've just said it. But there were some clearly some errors in the de- demolition man approach of bringing in 20 new players, which was going to cause a, a lot of disruption and, you know, people getting to know each other and finding their positions. But presumably, you know, Paul Cook bemoaned the lack of a recruitment room. So people picking targets, there wasn't a, maybe a lack of a coherency there with who we were signing, but also, you know, you've, you've got people moving home and I wonder whether Fraser is one of these people who, Maybe got a little bit. I don't know. Not homesick because he's 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 not really moved out. You know, he's Scottish, but generally been around the MK southeast kind of area. But maybe he didn't settle as well. But that that could be a factor too, isn't it's it? It's going to be difficult. If you're not um, Fraser played a lot of games actually. Look look back. I did look back earlier in the week at games he played in and um, played in quite a lot early on. He featured in games I'd forgotten he'd played in. But it, yeah, I think we just signed so many players. You're always going to be always going to be this thing that we're trying to find out who fits in and who doesn't. And Yeah. Um, worth mentioning as well, Elliot Lee, um, son of Rob, has got three goals and four assists. Um, but yeah, and started 26 games. He, he might feature. He's back in training as well. Yeah, on loan from Luton. He's back in training. So I think the manager came out today and said he could well feature. So obviously son of a legend down there, Rob Lee. So they'll be looking to give him a, a decent send-off as well. And then it's the front two, isn't it? There yeah. where, you know, the front two are the ones that we all kind of know with Jaden Stockley, 32 appearances, 13 goals, holds the ball up really, really well. Good in the air. He scored five goals in the air so far this season. Also very, very good at contributing uh, defensive set pieces as well. He tends to take that kind of near post area. A bit like Daryl Murphy did for us. Do you remember when Murphy would go back for a defending corner and nine times out of ten would just clear the ball really well? He does that for them. And then it's Connor Washington alongside him. 34 appearances, 11 goals. He's kind of the classic smaller man to Stockley's big, you know, striker, target man type play. And that's where their threat will come from. Both linked with Ipswich at one time or another, sure, I think, if I recall correctly. Washington part after we sold Murphy, I think. Yeah. Keep yeah, the old replacement. Yeah, they were stupid enough to sell their main striker without a replacement. That was it when he was at QPR. And, and I think Stockley, when it, it was Stockley at Exeter or something like that. He went to Preston, didn't he? He got a big move yeah, to the, champ- when they the, went the to championship Pre- and then dropped back down again. He never really made it. So I think, yeah, I, I certainly remember the name being mentioned in dispatches at a certain time in yeah. the past. I might be wrong. But yeah, Exeter, Eddie, sounds, 
Any other names you want to mention in the forward line, Seb, or in reserve? You may They've got a couple of kids. They've got a guy called Mason Burstow, 18-year-old, who they actually sold to Chelsea, but then was loaned back for the rest of the season. So okay. I guess he might get a farewell and a bit of a run out. They've got Daniel Carnu, who's been banging in goals for fun in the under-23s. I guess if you're looking to give somebody a bit of game time and, and, and freshen things up a bit, he, he's one that maybe could come in. Uh, Jonathan Lecco's on loan from Birmingham, but not really done that much this season. And Chuck Zaniki scored on, uh, he got one of the, the late to goal on Tuesday night. Oh, sorry, uh, last weekend against Shrewsbury. I guess he could maybe feature as well. But I'd be surprised if it wasn't Stockley and Washington up top. Another name in there as well. You've put in the um, yes. I've ju- I've had to. I'm doing research on the hoof. You've Son given Carl. The, yeah, Carl yeah. Lieburn, who I think scored a hat trick against us in ninety five ninety six in a five one demolition at Portman Road. I might be wrong. But yeah, Miles Lieber and his son, there you go, for those of you yeah, who like fathers and sons. It was 5-1. Uh, Tony Vaughan got sent off. Craig Forrest got injured. Neil Gregory went in goal. That was uh, it. And yeah, we were pretty awful. Tony Vaughan got sent off late on for a second yellow card for a very Tony Vaughan-type challenge. And that was, that was the last game I saw before I went to uni. So yeah, that was September '95. There you go. It's funny how these things come back. But yeah, another one of the father-son um, tradition that we keep hearing more and more about, Seb. Never mind. Uh, so that's Charlton. Let's talk about us. Obviously, caveat this with rotation and who knows what could happen. But presumably, we're hoping Burns is in the team. Hopefully, yeah, because, God, we're so different when he plays when when he doesn't play. You know, fingers crossed he'll be there. Vincent Young did all right last weekend. He got the assist. I thought he was a bit rusty early on, but got better. I and mean, he obviously the assist for the goal, which was a slightly different run onto a ball and ball back than Burns would have done. Um, but And he also faded a bit late on because he wasn't fit. And I think yeah. he could play that role if he was fitting up to speed. But, yeah, not the acceleration, not the threat Burns had. You miss that explosive pace, don't you, where Burns just opens yeah. himself up and absolutely knocks it past the player and goes flying down the wing. You really, really miss it. And I guess up top will be the other crucial area. Will Macaulay Bond get his farewell? I think we assume we won't be making the transfer permanent in the summer. Does he get a, a romantic farewell to Portman Road or does he stick with Norwood and, Norwood and give Piggott some more game time to see what he can do? It'll be an interesting one, what he does, what he does up front. Yep. Steve, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, as I said, if Pierce is slow, then that suggests, given how McKenna selected the team, that Norwood probably starts. Um, if Norwood starts, he'd really need to start centrally, not wide on the left, because I don't think that worked particularly well. Um, Piggott, there's clearly a player in there. He does odd things and touch is really good and control. And you think, yeah, you can kind of see how he, things work for him. But it's not happening for him here. I don't think it's going to happen for him here. And we'll probably go elsewhere and score double figures easily next season. And everyone go, why did we let him go? Yeah. Um, you just just hope maybe if, like, if we don't get a decent offer because he's on big money pre-season, maybe start again. But um, yeah, and as you said on Bon, he's scored one goal since the start of November when we played Wickham. And I, I, I keep thinking, what would this team be like? Sort of team of about three, four weeks ago before like, the season petered out against Cambridge with Bond from the first half of the season in, would that be the player that would make it make it work up front? And it's like possibly, because he scored goals he shouldn't have scored. The first one against Milton Keynes, where Vincent Young played the long ball um, diagonal from right back to left left forward, and Bond just hit it 
so early the keeper didn't have a chance. Or the one at Wickham where he just did a, a funky little turn on the ball. Um, as that ball dropped to him, I'm thinking, shame it's not on his, his proper foot. And he just did that and turned into score. And it's like, you don't do that without ability. And he scored goals at championship level. But I think he's trying too hard. I thought he was trying too hard against Wigan early on and then settled a little bit. And um, by the time he came on last week, it was Saturday was too late to do very much. But um, He'll get his farewell, won't he? He'll get a farewell to the North Stand. It's just a question of if, if he starts or not. For me, I'd start Norwood as the in, in the central position. That's where he's so much better and have the double tens of Chaplin and, uh, and Selena behind him. Bond's an ex-Charlton player as well, isn't he? So that's, yeah. there's always an angle there. Uh, and game time for the youngsters. Seb, we start, we alluded to that at the start, um, talking about the under-18s, but I'm, I'm unlikely to start, do we think? Yeah, I think they'll be on the bench again. I'd like to see El Mazzuni come in for Backinson just to give him a game to see, you know, what he can do. We know what Backinson will give you. We know we're probably going to sign Backinson because it's a deal with him, you know, a fee already agreed, etc. But I'd like to see El Mazzuni possibly come into central midfield alongside Morsey and see what he can do. And then maybe around the hour mark, 70 minutes, maybe you give uh, uh, Humphreys a bit of a run out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on predictions then, guys? I will start with you. I'll start with Steve. I've, I, I was going for a win and then talking through Charlton's record and its perfect mid-tableness. Um, I'll go for 2-1 Ipswich to win. Um, although if it's a draw, I'm not going to be enormously surprised, given given our intensity has definitely dropped off a little bit the last, well, certainly, certainly in away games. Actually, as a point, has our intensity really dropped off at home? Cambridge was rubbish. We just weren't, we were just 10% below that throughout. Wigan, Wigan we were, was excellent. Yeah. Wigan we were yeah. very, very good second half, particularly. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. So, Seb? I'm going to be positive, as always. I think we'll win 2 0, and I think Macaulay Bond will score in front of the North Stand to say goodbye. There you go. I'm going to go for a 3 2, guys. I, th- I think it'll be end of school type. It, maybe the defences won't do so well, but I, th- I think. I think we want to. McKenna will certainly want to go out with a win, and I think you talked about this on the flagship with with Ben and Joe last week. Seb set send everyone off with a bit of optimism. I think yeah. you know twenty four thousand odd crowd, isn't it as well? So yeah, let's get a win. Um, and but I think I think there might be dysfunction and just generally because of rotation and psychology and all that kind of stuff. So the sort of game you want to basically take a lead in the first half before everyone starts making lots of changes. Exactly it? right. Yeah, exactly right. Which which normally means we're fairly comfortable. We were last week really. Um yeah. although we just we just got far too slack and crew crew should have scored before they did. But um the the other thing as well, going back to the crowd as well, I, I looked at something like eleven straight home games with a twenty thousand plus crowd. You've got to go back to um Rotherham, I think, for a league game with with Lurth and that on Tuesday night in November, when it was fairly obvious we we're going to get well beaten pre game. Yeah. Uh, maybe Crew would no, maybe Crew wasn't quite. Maybe Crew was the one that wasn't um, wasn't twenty thousand. It's um it's been consistently high this season, but again, we need to deliver on that before it fades away again, there was a crowd boost after McCarthy's sort of three-year run from uh, when he got appointed to the 14-15 uh, season. There a big crowd for the big crowds to start the year after. That tailed off because we didn't deliver on it. And um, yeah, we need to we need to deliver again. But it but also if you look at third division, there's us and Wednesday who are average crowds just over 20,000. There's Sunderland who have got another eight, 9,000 on top of that. So if any of these three clubs ever get it right on the pitch, 
a lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah. Great shout. Yep. And um, yeah, no surprise, I guess, that those 20,000 crowds have come into McKenna as well. So yeah, if you build it, they will come, as they say. So we'll be looking forward um, to what Charlton have in store for us on Saturday. Uh, as, as usual, the flagship show will be back on Sunday um, with Ben, I think, in the host chair with Dave, Joe and I, trying to get as many people as we can on the pod for our, the season finale. Also worth mentioning, we talked about Turnstile Blues. You can obviously get your copy of Turnstile Blues either at the Greyhound or around Portman Road ahead of kickoff. But we need to give a shout-out to Greyhound who supported the pre-match show all season, open for breakfast. Um, also... Um, kindly offered to let us have a bit of a meetup as well after the game on Saturday. So if you're not um, rushing off after the game and after the lap of appreciation or whatever we're going to call it this season, then do drop, jump up the road. Jump up Will the you road. Will you uh, No, I'll have, I'll have a bum bag with photos pre-signed like Neil Warnock. Um, <laughs> I might even buy someone a beer if they're nice to me. But yeah, uh, hopefully as many members of the Blue Monday team as we can get um, but everyone is flaking out. So it might just be me. But so if you, you can fancy go post game, Rich. There you go. So well it's we'll a blue one post game as well. Slash turnstile blues meet up at the end of the game on Saturday. Yeah, head out to the beer garden, the Greyhound. Either way, either officially or unofficially a meetup. Be great to see as many as you as possible there, either pre or post match, but do get involved in great to support the Greyhound who have been great to us this this season. Worth in terms of other bits and pieces of plugs, as always Blue Monday ITFC is where all of the bits and pieces are for our shows, for our pod feed, our YouTube feed, our socials, but also the link to join our Telegram group hosted by our friends at Leveller. Um, going really well, really enjoying that, really good debate. Um, got lots of different channels as well, different types of chat and different topics there. And I'm sure um, we're going to transfer overload during the off season, which is very pertinent for where we're going to talk about next. But, yeah, I think that's all the bits and pieces. I've not missed anything, Seb. You're the man in charge, usually. No, no absolutely. Absolutely, Spawn. Cool. For one last time this season, let's let's see if I can find the, the right theme music. Oh, yeah, it's the Chavy one, isn't it? Yeah. Let's do Football one. Room 101. Uh, I could put the league table up, but... Um, there it is. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's just for fun. Yeah, well, uh, are we just... doing a five-a-side school football thing of like, next goal wins? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, next brilliant. goal wins. Brilliant. Until I win. Uh, but this is just a bit of fun. So I think Seb's won outright. Craig's won on points per game, even though that's not a thing. So this is just for pride. Um, so um, who wants to go first? Visitors first? Steve, do you want to go first? Or do you want to let Seb... Let his cards on the table first. Okay, I'll go first. Giving you for gave, gave the lead. There is um summer transfer hype. Oh, once upon a time you got to the end of the season, and yeah, there'd be odd bits of odd bits of news over the summer and speculation. You know, bit of a bit of a conversation. Now, the Sky Sports news and tabloid ecosystem, it's incessant. Um, it's football never stops even when it needs to stop for a three-month break. And both on a per-club level with the endless, will we sign this player? Wait, I'm waiting until Manchester United release somebody fairly fairly high up from the first team. And uh, people start suggesting we could sign this player. 
Cristiano Ronaldo, people would say, oh, do we get it? Um, but that the whole ecosystem is um, becomes more tedious by the year. And also is exploited as well by agents too, isn't it? There's a lot of just false rumours put out there to, to, as a means of touting players, isn't there? The um, the Carl Henry to Ipswich story came out every single transfer window under McCarthy and people got aggravated about it without realising it's the same same lazy piece of journalism every single transfer window. Copy and paste. Yeah, but then you got, you know, where, what would we have to chat about? Maybe kits, I don't know. But yeah, I, I'm wearied by silly season when it comes to transfers as well. So Age and cynicism, I suppose. Yeah, exactly right. So there you go. There's there's one offer for you. Um, Seb, do you want to go next? Can do. Yeah, mine is very short and very sweet. I made this list back in whenever we started this, September, August time. And I wrote on there, FA Cup semi-finals being at Wembley. But in brackets after I put April time because there was no point doing it any any earlier in the season. Yeah, it's it's stupid. It's been around since the 2007-2008 season when Wembley opened. I understand they've got a multi-billion pound stadium they have to pay for. So they want you to go down there and spend nine quid on a pint of Carlsberg and 20 quid on fish and chips, etc. But it, it shouldn't be that that way at all you know we saw the games uh last weekend or two weekends ago whenever it was there's no way those games should have been at Wembley you know it, it lessens the excitement and the atmosphere of the final going to Wembley should be a you know a special thing and Liverpool against Man City there were no trains running it was ridiculous that game should have been at Villa Park like it always used to be you know sort of a a big a big ground kind of halfway house and the Chelsea Palace game should have been at Spurs or Arsenal or somewhere you know 20 years ago we didn't have as many top world-class stadiums as we have now now it wouldn't be that difficult to find a local alternative and keep a bit of that magic from Wembley for cup final day so mine is very short and sweet the only the FA Cup final uh, should be at Wembley not the semis hypothetical for you Ipswich get promoted from the championship not bothered automatically sorry Ipswich get into the championship um, and fluke their way to a FA Cup semi-final no, because I've been last year when we win the Johnson's Paint Trophy. Nah, so don't, don't worry nah, about I'm it. Not, I'm not allowed yet. No, it should only be finals. No, it should only be finals. Playoff final, FA Cup final. It, it, it's not a semi-final venue. It, it shouldn't happen. You know, we get a big day out, a different ground. Let's go. To, let's go to Tottenham. I'd love to go to Spurs' ground. Let's go and beat Chelsea in the FA Cup semi-final. In your weird mind, in uh, uh, Tottenham's <laughs> new stadium, the, the Wembley should only be for finals to keep it special. Call me a traditionalist. Call me old-fashioned, but. That's what I think it should be. You need to re- retain some of that magic. And part of that is not lessening the experience by making fans go all the way to Wembley. And then the Liverpool fans have got to go all the way back in, you know, two weeks' time, wherever it is. So it's an expensive day out. It's an unnecessary day out. It's a big carbon output thing. It's, it's just oh, not needed. In this. I'm going for anything I can get back. Going for every single angle I can win. Carbon so footprint. Brilliant. It should be, uh, no, finals only, no semifinals, nonsense. I'm done. I think the, the year that, FA were to announce that semi-finals weren't played at Wembley, Ipswich would get into that semi-final and we wouldn't. And if we hadn't been to Wembley by that point, everyone would be up in arms. Yeah. And there aren't many clubs that haven't been to Wembley since it reopened. It's, it's yeah. like seven, six or seven or something, isn't it? Yeah. And we're, I know yeah. it's skewed because of Spurs playing there, but yeah, it's a so list you, we need to get think, off badly. I think but you not keep at the semi-final it, stage of the FA Cup. Keep it there. It's, keep, it, keep the semis there until we, we've gone to Wembley and then change the rule. I'm, I'm bored with that. Um, but any opportunity for us to get to Wembley, I'm, I'm not oh, right, Wembley. It's a nice, easy one to get to, really. There you go. Slam dunks. Uh, uh, to finish off with, uh, I yeah, uh, yeah I'm going to go with it. 
Um, I don't think, I, I think there should be a minimum standard of quality for pitches in the professional leagues. Maybe a sliding scale in terms of quality, but I'm fed up with League One teams. I'm, I'm fed up. And I know I've got into trouble on Twitter for this. I'm fed up with S Housery, but I can understand it. But I don't think it. I don't think pitches should be a variable when it comes to S Housery. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a fair variable. I think it also leads to a lesser quality of football, and we need the quality of football generally in in the leagues to be better. It just benefits the um, the pyramid. It benefits players' progression as well. I just think it's a really easy way of screwing over a team looking to play the game the right way. And I don't think it's a fair level. I could totally understand teams conning referees and doing all kinds of dark arts like that. I even understand teams pouring buckets of water on the, in the training room, in the, in the, in the, in the training room. Is that a word? What am I looking? Changing room. You know, I totally get that. But I think the league owes it to the spectacle to make sure that pitches are of a decent standard and teams are, find if they can't do it. And I and I accept that you're not going to get Premier League standard pitches at League One, but I think we've seen some really terrible, you know, Tramir's pitch a couple of years ago. I remember that one. That was a beach. I think points deductions or financial penalties, if you can't provide a standard pitch that's not got bare patches or bumps or huge divots in it, I just don't think it's fair. I don't think it's appropriate. So but some of these are massively outside of the club's control, aren't they? I mean, the Tranmere one, it was a joke. We were there. But wasn't it due to really, really awful bad snow and stuff? You know, you you can't I really give so. a club points deduction if they have less sunlight and more rain than the southern parts of the country. Bad news for teams up north. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You'd have to draw, you know, you're basically penalising the, the northern half of the uh, of the EFL, aren't you? I Well, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree because you just need grass sand water and sunlight it's not particularly difficult um, and maybe that maybe the fa should fund it as well it's, it's in the league's interest i think for the quality of pitches in general to be better anyway they can and, call it know, grass roots there you go there you go it writes itself and don't forget our pitches in previous years is cut up and not being you know I'd, I'd include that in there as well i just think i just think it's a variable that should be removed from the equation. Pitch size, I, you can make pitches small and narrow if you want to stop teams passing down the wings. I totally get that. But yeah, a crap surface. Think of Birmingham City in the, in the League Cup semi-final. That, was, that shouldn't have been played. That was a joke. And, that, and I'm not saying it's as bad as that, but it, it is a factor now. I've not seen a pitch that bad in a park, Norman. Yeah, exactly right. Christchurch Park is, yeah, probably better than that. So anyway, there's my there's my offering in Football Room 101. Uh, we've got Steve's summer transfer hype slash um, silly season. We've got Seb's FA Cup semifinals not being played at Wembley and me and my pitches rant. We'll put that down the Twitter poll. We'll let you decide. And at some point we'll... The table doesn't matter. This is just for fun. But if Seb wins, then I'll update the league table for his ego. No, you um, won't. And no, I won't. Um, I'll update it because I've got the spreadsheet and it, and I'll have found a way to get myself top. So, Marvelous. yeah, there you go. Good stuff. Thank you, guys. Let's listen to the Chavi music one more time. Uh, 
that is it for the pre-match show for the 21-22 season. Um, hasn't it gone quick? Um, thank you once again, Steve, for joining us and Turnstile Blues. Tell us, remind us all the details about Turnstile Blues. Where we can find Blues you. on sale Saturday from 11 outside Portman Road, maybe in the Greyhound beforehand um, if we get them in in time. Only a pound. And um, yeah, it's, it's great. Goodbye. It's brilliant. Yes. Good stuff. And Seb, um, thank you for your company for the majority of these. We've 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 partnered up for these ones and I've really enjoyed it. And um, always good to get your research on a Wednesday or a Thursday afternoon and read through that. And hopefully folk have, have enjoyed it and found it useful and been able to show off to their mates by quoting some random piece of trivia that we've, you know, your fact of the week or something like that, that um, hopefully has provided insight and people have enjoyed it. Um, happy birthday as well for this weekend too. And, birthday, um, yeah, Thank you kindly. Um, yeah, it's been it's been it's gone very very quickly. I remember discussing this with you. Must have been nearly a year ago. I think we discussed it quite soon after the season ended, and we felt there was a market there. And I'd like to think people find them informative and interesting. And we've built a little community, haven't we? When we did the live shows, you know, people are tuning in and watching. So it's been it's been great. It's been a crazy season, if you think. The first one we did, you know, with 19 new signings, and Paul Cook's going to sweep the league to victory, and it hasn't quite worked out that way. But I guess that's why we keep coming back as football fans. There's always going to be next season, isn't there? Still always talking always points. Always next season. Yeah. Steve, once again, thank you very much. Um, head to the Greyhound pre-match, post-match on Saturday. Do come and join us for a bit of a meet-up um, after the game if you can. Head to the Greyhound more generally anyway. It's the best pub in Ipswich. There you go. I've said it. Flagship show back on Sunday. Ben, Dave, Joe and I. And we'll keep you informed as to what's going on in the off-season. Certainly any major talking points, I'm sure... We'll do reactions. We'll do some live Q&As. Hopefully got some more interviews. I know we were chatting with Phil at the under-18s game about some bits and pieces there. So hopefully plenty of stuff to keep you entertained. But obviously we won't be as relentless with the shows, the three shows a week as we usually are. But we'll certainly have stuff going on um, and keep a look out there. And, and if in the meantime, if you're if you're missing out on your Blue Monday fix, then join our Telegram group with our friends at Lever. The, join, the link is on the website, bluemondayrtc.co.uk. First two weeks is on us. And then join in with all the transfer hype chat um, that Steve doesn't like in our Telegram <laughs> um, But hopefully see you there. And um, Seb, I'll let you have the final word. As always, thank you everyone for tuning in and watching this season. Please give the video a like when it hits YouTube. Have a great time on Saturday. Here's hoping to a, uh, a really strong end to the season to build some momentum going into the summer. And for the last time this year, come on, you blues. <laughs> It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365 day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport, powered by fans.